1: Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. And the man named Judas Iscariot was the one who betrayed Christ. And Judas, what's amazing, is Judas was not tempted outwardly to go to the chief priest, because Judas didn't appear to be a traitor. He just looked like any other of the 12, and Judas looked outwardly to be just as loyal as the rest, just as devoted as the rest, just as all in it for Christ as the rest, just as all sold out for Christ as the rest. There was no outward sign to the disciples that Judas was anything else other than good and faithful servant, Judas. Because if there was any indication to any scribe, to any Pharisee, to any priest, that there was even a chance that Judas would be willing to betray Christ, he would have been approached. He would have been approached by the Pharisees and offered money to work with them because the focus of the Pharisees was, how can we destroy Christ? The Pharisees were holding internal meetings on how could they destroy Christ? Mark, Matthew twelve fourteen Matthew 12, 14. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him how they might destroy him. The Pharisees were going outside of their group to have, to, uh, outside of their group to, to others and asking for their advice, how can we destroy Christ? Mark three six. Mark three six. The Pharisees went forth and straight forth, straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. John eleven forty seven. John eleven forty seven. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we do? This man doeth many miracles. The Pharisees had actually formed a league with the scribes in order to destroy Christ. Mark 11:18, Mark 11:18, and the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him. In addition to the Pharisees, the chief priests and the scribes, they were also working full steam, full throttle to kill Christ, to destroy Christ, to the point where they had a special division, the Pharisee seals. The Pharisee paratroopers, this special division, pretended to be followers of Christ, but they were spies. They were just spies whose mission was to bring back information on how Christ could be killed. Luke twenty nineteen, Luke 20, and 19. And the chief priests and scribes the same hour sought to lay hands on him and they feared the people for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. And they watched him and sent forth spies, which should feign themselves just men, that they might take hold of his word, so they might deliver him unto the power and authority of the governor. And they asked him, Master, we know that thou sayest and teachest rightly. Neither acceptest thou the person of any, but teachest the way of God truly. For all intents and purposes, the Pharisees and the scribes and the chief priests, the elders, they lived to destroy Christ. Luke 22, verse two, Luke 22, verse two. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him. You know, they were very good. The, the, the Pharisees have always been very good. Very, very good at making new laws. They make one law after another. You can't even keep track of them all. They, they're very good. Some, a lot of them they call, they're part of their oral law. Moses written law, oh, we got an oral law. Well, catch us if you can, we just are gonna make new laws, one right after the other. They were so anxious to kill Christ, they made a new law. They made a new law. The new law said, any person who knows where Christ is has to come tell them so they can arrest him. John eleven fifty seven. John eleven fifty seven. Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees have given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it that they might take him. So if there was any indication that Judas was a weak link in the chain of the apostles, they would have gone to Judas. But there was no indication. There was no indication at all that Judas could be bribed. No, he, Judas, went when Judas went to the enemies, he did it 100% on his own. It was his own. He went to the enemies unasked. He left the home in Bethany where Christ was, and he didn't just take a stroll out for some little night air and just happen to come across Jerusalem. He left that time, he left that home there in Bethany, and he went directly to the chief priests, and he had one purpose in his mind, and it was Mark fourteen ten. Mark fourteen ten. Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them, Judas made a beeline directly to the palace of the high priest, Caiaphas, where Judas knew there was a meeting between the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people, and Judas had one goal in going there, Mark 14, 10, to betray him unto them. Oh, what a picture that was. Can you imagine it? The assistant, they're meeting together. There's the on the door, and the people in the meeting say, yes, what is it? And the assistant says, one of Christ's inner circle is outside wanting to come in and address your meeting. And we can imagine how surprised and shocked everyone is in that meeting. And they and they say to the assistant, bring them in, bring them in. This could be the break we're looking for. And we can see them all there sitting in silence, shocked, as Judas is standing in front of them, and they, all, they recognize, oh, yeah, we know who, yeah, we seen to be four inner circle of Jesus, and they're all wondering, what do you gotta say? What do you gotta say to us? And the first words out of Judas' mouth are in verse 15, verse 15. What will you give me, and I will deliver him unto you? We can imagine how they all must have felt. They probably were ready to fall off their chairs when they heard that offer. And after Judas left, they they must have talked among themselves and we can see how they all must have just looked at each other and asked each other, guys, We've been trying and trying to kill Jesus, to destroy Jesus. We've had meeting after meeting on how to destroy Jesus. We've asked other groups on how to destroy Jesus. We've sent out spies to find us intel how to destroy Jesus. All along there was a traitor in his inner circle, in the inner circle of Jesus. Did any of you, did you, did you, did you, did you, did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see that Judas of in the inner circle was a traitor of Jesus? Did any of you? And each one of the meeting in Caiaphas' palace said, no, no, peace me. I had no idea that Judas was a traitor. I was totally blindsided by that. I didn't see that coming. And they didn't see it because it all came from inside Judas all from inside Judas. No one from the outside enticed Judas. No one from the outside tempted Judas with a bribe. No one from the outside lured Judas in to become a traitor. That all came from inside Judas. The idea to become a traitor of Christ came from in him. And that is a picture of sin in us, in us. We sin because it all comes from inside us. We are, yes, we are enticed. Yes, we are tempted. Yes, we are lured to sin. But the only reason we sin is because there's an internal sinful heart, a Judas Iscariot heart inside of us that has decided to open the door to the knocking of the enticement, the temptation, the lure from the outside. As it says in James 1.14, James 1.14, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And those words in James 1.14, of his own lust, they give us the picture that we've got a little Judas Iscariot inside of us and this this little Judas Iscariot inside of us, he's opening the door of our hearts, and he's saying to the temptation, think a thought of fornication, think a thought of adultery, and he's saying the words of verse 15, what will you give me? What will you give me? And I'll think this thought of fornication. What will you give me, and I'll think this thought of adultery, and the answer comes back to us, the words of verse 15, and they covenanted with him for a moment of fantasy sexual ecstasy for the thought of fornication and adultery. And the vicarious thought of sex outside of marriage is our 30 pieces of silver. And there's a little Judas Iscariot inside of us, inside of our hearts, that's opening the door to the outside and saying to the temptation to think a thought. Just think a thought of killing your enemy with the words of verse 15. What will you give me? And I'll think a thought of killing the person I hate. And the answer comes back to us with the words of verse 15. And they covenanted with him, for a moment of vengeful satisfaction for the thought of murdering a person hated. And the thought of the temporary vengeance is our 30 purses of silver. There you go. And there's a little Judas Iscariot inside of our hearts that's opening the door to the outside and saying to the temptation to think a thought of stealing something that doesn't belong to you. The words of verse 15, what will you give me and I will think a thought of stealing that that doesn't belong to me. And the answer comes back in the words of verse 15, verse 15, and they covenanted with him for a moment of happiness to have what we do not own for the thought of stealing something. And that thought of temporary happiness, of having what what does not belong to us is our 30 pieces of silver. The point is, is that it's so easy for us to look at Judas Iscariot in the history and say the words of the Pharisee who was in the temple in Luke 18.11, Luke 18.11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as Judas Iscariot. Dirty, rotten Judas Iscariot, not me. Clean, pure, holy me. But the reality is we got him inside of us in the form of our hearts. And he's telling, he's telling the world of tempting thoughts, the words of verse 15, what will you give me for a sexual thought to commit fornication and adultery? What will you give me for a hateful thought of murdering my enemy? What will you give me for a greedy thought of stealing what I don't own? And just as Judas on his own accord went to the chief priests in verse 14, without being asked, and he said, what will you give me and I'll sin against Christ? So on our own accord, even without being asked, we say, what will you give me? And I'll send a thought against Christ. The point is, seeing this history of the fall of Judas to sin against Christ is for us to get the point, not so fast for us to say, I'm not at all like Judas Iscariot who sinned against Christ. And when Judas came into that meeting of that chief priest and said, Verse 15, verse 15, what will you give me? And I'll deliver him unto you. It was not a simple, well, okay, let's just, uh, uh, you know, we'll give you 20. No, I want 40. I'll oh, we'll give you 30. So, done, agreed. It wasn't like that in verse 15 when it says, and they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And when Judas left the meeting, it was not a simple, what will you give me? And and a 30 pieces of silver, and Judas left the meeting. Oh no, that's not what happened. Because we're told a little bit more about that meeting in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke 22:4. Luke 22:4, 4. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might destroy him, betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised, and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. What's that saying there? In Luke 22:4, 4, when it says, Judas communed with the chief priests and captains how they might, how they might just betray him unto them. That means that when Judas asked them in verse 15, what will you give me? And they agreed in verse 15, and they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver, they said to Judas, when he said, what will you give me? They said, sit down, sit down. Why are you standing? Sit down, let's talk, let's talk. Sit down, commune with us. As we brainstorm together on how to destroy Jesus, sit down and commune with us as you disclose to us how we can destroy Jesus. Sit down and commune with us to be one with us in our desire to destroy Jesus. Sit down and commune with us in privacy to destroy Jesus. Sit down and commune with us in safety as we plan together to destroy Jesus. Sit down and commune with us as you promise and vow to help us destroy Jesus. And then, sit down and commune with us. Let's have a little wine, let's have a little happiness here. Sit down and commune with us in gladness over destroying Jesus, that's what it says. They were glad at that meeting, they were glad. Sit down and commune with us in gladness over destroying Jesus. Oh, that verse, that that verse, verses 14 and 15, about that meaning, that was a meaning of communing, brainstorming, disclosing, unity, privacy, safety, planning, promising, and gladness to destroy Jesus. And Judas did all this at that meeting. And there was no reason at all. No reason why Judas would have, should have done that. Christ gave him no basis, no reason for Judas, that they would have warranted Judas betraying Christ. As a matter of fact, just before Judas did that, betrayed Christ, Christ did something to Judas that was the most tender in his life, the most intimate in the life of Judas, the most loving condescension that Christ ever did for Judas, and it's in John 13, 1, John 13:1. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Supper being ended, and the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. John thirteen ten. John thirteen ten. Jesus saith to them, he that is washed needeth not to wash his feet but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore he said he, you are not all clean. Can we really imagine that scene? Can we really imagine that scene of Christ, what he really did for Judas just before Judas left and betrayed Christ? That Christ came to the feet of Judas? with the dirt on the bottom of the feet of Judas and the dirt on the top of the feet of Judas and the dirt in between the toes of Judas. And Jesus, with a towel around him and a bowl of water in his hand, bent down to stoop in front of Judas and lovingly took the feet of the, the, he lovingly took those feet that were soon gonna march straight to the chief priest to betray Christ and destroy him, and the hands of Jesus that had healed the sick, cleansed the leper, given sight to the blind, those are the same hands now of Jesus that are now thoroughly washing with water the bottoms of the feet of the betrayer and the tops of the feet and in between the toes of Judas. And then Jesus takes the towel that's around him and uses that towel to to dry the bottoms of the feet, the tops of the feet, between the toes of Judas. And then Jesus stands up, and as their eyes meet, Jesus said with his eyes to Judas, Judas, you let me wash your feet, and I've done all I can to wash and cleanse you, but now it's up to you. For your heart, you let me wash your, cleanse your heart from sin. Only you can open that door, Judas. It's the door to your heart to let me wash and cleanse you from all your sin of betraying me. And Judas looked just like all the other disciples. Jesus had cleansed them all outwardly, but inwardly, there was one that wasn't cleansed Judas. And Christ knew it. And that's why he said to his disciples in John 13, John 13, 10, 11, you are clean, but not all. You are not all clean. How could Judas do this to Christ? How could he do that? Just after Christ had shown such tender love and care to Judas, we can see how he did it. We can see how he was able to do it and how he referred to Christ in verse 14 through 16. Verse 14. Then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests and said unto them, what will you give me and I will deliver him unto you. When Judas spoke to the high priest, the chief priest, he did not call Jesus by his name. Judas did not say to the chief priest, what will you give me and I will deliver Jesus unto you. For Judas, Jesus was no longer Jesus. For Judas, Jesus was just him. And that's how the rabbis and many of the Jews today refer to Jesus. They will not say his name. They do not call him Jesus. They just call Jesus, like Judas did, him or Jay. Just like Judas. Because there's a great meaning in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus conveys love. The name of Jesus conveys power. And every knee's gonna bow to that name. So to avoid the conveyance of this person has love and power, the name of Jesus is just replaced with him, as we see in verse 15. That's why we love the name of Jesus. We love the name of Jesus like the hymn says. Jesus is the sweetest name I'll ever, ever know. And he's just the same as his holy name. And that's the reason why I love him so. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels' prostate fall. The love of Jesus toward Judas in the washing of the feet of Judas just before Judas betrayed Christ shows who Jesus Christ really is. Who is he? He's 1 John 4, 8. First John 4, 8, God is love. He is Romans 5, 8. Romans 5, 8, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray. Father, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time.